We have a couple readings this morning. First one is from the book of Joel. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. And our second reading is from 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Happy Sunday, everybody. As you can see in the front of the bulletin that uh, yesterday was actually declared National Global Day of Prayer and Repentance. Now, ironically, there's actually two national days of prayer. There's one that we got declared now, but there's also one that normally everybody declares in the spring, and I think in May. This one, however, has not been held since Abraham Lincoln's time. As a matter of fact, uh, Abraham Lincoln had caused the National Day, actually it was a proclamation, a day of fasting by the President of the United States of America. And it was actually for the last Thursday of September that he declared it as a day of fasting. President Trump also had a uh, deal on, his, on the White House um, website declaring National Day of Prayer. He said, On this inaugural National Day of Prayer in return, the First Lady and I join millions of Christians here in the United States and around the world in prayer as we turn our hearts to our Savior. Our great nation was founded by men and women of deep and abiding faith, a faith that has stood the test of time. 400 years ago, early American settlers trusted their lives to his providence and braved a voyage to a new world. From the pilgrims who sought his protection abroad, the Mayflower to the countless believers who today bow their heads to ask for his guidance during these unprecedented times, our country continues to turn to the Lord. Following in our ancestors' footsteps, we continue the firm reliance on the protection of divine providence that provides us during the strength and reassurance in our times of need. The trials and tribulations the American people have faced over the past several months have been great. Yet, as we have seen time and again, the resolve of our citizenry, fortified by our faith in God, 
has guided us through these hardships and helped us to unite us as one nation under God. As we continue to combat the challenges ahead of us, we must remember the sage words of President George Washington during his first presidential address. But piteous smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself has ordained. As a country and a people, let us renew our commitment to these abiding and timeless principles. Today, I am pleased to join my voice to yours in thanking God for blessing this nation with great power and responsibility. With reverence, humility, and thanksgiving, we beg for his continued guidance and protection. When Sheila seen the bulletin this morning, she was pretty excited. She said, oh yes, because she happened to ask if I watched it. I didn't happen to have, I just found out about it a couple days ago, so I didn't really have a chance to get into it. But she's going to share some stuff. She actually seen and watched some of it. So Sheila, can you share what was happening during the National Day of Prayer and and the return? Sure. Um, First of all, on the 25th, of September, um, there was there's several prayer movements going on, but the 25th marked the 40 days from that day until the election, and so there's a 40 day prayer movement that's that's going on between now and election day between now and November 3rd. So um, there were two events happening specifically in Washington yesterday. The one was the return led by Jonathan Kahn. And then I flipped, it kept flipping back and forth between that one and the Franklin Graham prayer walk that was going on. Also, um, his event started at the Lincoln Memorial and it went down um, around to different federal buildings. The return was held on the Washington Mall between the Washington Monument and the Capitol Building. And what was so spectacular in my mind was as the camera would pan from the stage out towards the Washington uh, Monument, there was just a sea of people. It was filled. And there was a point in Jonathan's remarks where he felt led to kneel in repentance. I mean, he he gave a wonderful message, and then um, he gave a salvation message also, inviting people to accept Jesus. And then he knelt down on the stage. Many, many of the speakers did. They knelt down on the stage. But when you looked out and you could see the sea of people kneeling, if they could kneel, they knelt. And, there, and it was a, just a hush over the assembly. And people were honestly repenting, humbling themselves before God, praying for this nation, praying for our government. And this was being broadcast all over the world. There were millions watching all over the world. And so it, um, it, this event, it actually started on Friday night. I think it went through most of yesterday and, and last night, but I, I only could catch like three hours of it. But every speaker um, talked about um, what was on their heart as, as far as the scriptures God given them to pray, they, there was a lots of prayers for the government, for our media, for the press, 
for the arts and entertainment, for education, for business, all the seven mountains of society, lot, lots of prayers. And so um, I'm just so encouraged. And in the next 40 days now, between now and the election, the church is really called upon to lift up our president, lift up this whole Supreme Court um, uh, approval process, confirmation process, I guess I should say, and uh, you know everything else that's going on in our government. October is a critical month. I think we're going to see things happen in October that we just never imagined. And so I just encourage everyone and um, perhaps here, even at Buffalo Lake, if there are people who want to stay behind on Sunday morning or maybe come early on Sunday morning to do some prayer, praying for our government and our leaders and all that's transpiring, um, I would welcome that. Just, just let me know. So um, just so encourage the return, National Day of Prayer and Repentance, and it truly was. So thank you. And indeed, the church is open when we get here, so um, mm -hmm. there's a, and the opportunity where you can come in and uh, be by yourself. Uh, social distancing will not be a problem. Uh, so if you'd like to come into the church, have some private time, uh, kneel up to the altar, pray to God. You know, the, the thing about prayer, the thing about communicating with God that I feel we're missing out on is emotion. And if you read again here in the book of uh, Joel, where they, they actually, uh, the priests, you know, they wept when they came in. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. Now the vestibule is a large room. It's 20 cubits by 10 cubits by 120 cubits. Now I forgot how many feet that is, but uh, it's a pretty good area. It's located on the east side of the temple. It spans the whole width of the temple and serves as the entrance to the temple. The altar of burnt sacrifices is located in the inner courtyard of the temple and is the place where priests offered burnt offerings to the Lord to atone for the sins of the people. This verse then calls for the priest to enter the temple weeping and to continue the expression of their grief until they reach the altar. Their tears are to express their contrition for the sins of the people and their grief at the punishment that the people have experienced. You know, prayer is to be a time of deep emotional bonding between you and God. It's like when we take communion, and I've had to stress that time and time again, when we take communion, it's not between the minister and you. It's between you and God. That's the communion that's at stake. That's the communion that's really important in your life. And it's like this, this prayer time, uh, the National Day of Prayer, and the return. The return is talking about the return to God, the return to Him. Our nation has, we've come into a nation where we seem like it's all about me, myself, and I. What's important for me? What's right? What are my rights? We're talking about uh, earthly rights compared to, you know, last week I think it was when we talked about the workers in the vineyard. 
we talk about what is fair and what is right. And the workers that came in at 9 o'clock got paid the same as those who came at 5 in the afternoon. And they say, well, this isn't fair. But you know what? God makes all things fair. And this is no exception. You know, it isn't about fairness for me. It's about what fairness is for God towards me. And so, you know, back then, you know, the first verse here says, sound the trumpet. You know, and the trumpet was usually a sign of uh, incoming uh, enemies coming or something like that, warning the people. But it also served as a time of returning to God. So when the trumpet was sounded, it's like, oh, this is God's time. We need to go to him and we need to repent. And so, according to the book of Joel, the solemn assembly is to function as a time of turning, of soul-searching, of repentance, of turning one's life around, of a new direction. You know, when we talk about repentance, repentance means turning away from your sin. You're sorry for it, and you will not do it again. It's like Paul said in his writings, you know, forgiveness doesn't give you the license to keep on doing the sin over and over and over again. Absolutely not. Repentance means I'm sorry, Lord, and I will not do it again. God will forgive you. The other thing about the assembly is that it's an intensely personal encounter with God at the level of one's heart and the innermost core of one's being. We're talking about inside your heart, inside your mind. You know, and I talk about emotion. You know, when Jesus prayed, he prayed with strong emotion, so much so that the blood was coming out of the pores. That's an intense level of prayer. And the disciples, what were they doing? They were sleeping. The disciples were sleeping. And Jesus came back and scolded them. Can you not watch for a little bit? And then Jesus went back to pray again. See, Jesus prayed with intensity, with emotion to his Father. Jesus showed emotion. He wasn't just some individual who walked around perfect and had no show, no, no emotion. I mean, what happened when Lazarus died? He wept. He cried. When he came into the temple, and here they're doing all this selling and stuff in the temple, he got upset and he went in there and he turned them tables over. How dare you make my temple a, a, rob, a den of thieves? Jesus showed a tremendous amount of emotion. And that's what we are lacking in today's churches, in today's communities, is we are lacking that sense of emotion, not about our emotion about being fair, but our emotion towards God. A time of emotion and passion that involves humble repentance to the point of tears. When was the last time we, we literally just like cried out to Lord with emotion and tears coming out of our eyes and, and because of what God has done for us? It's a time of weeping before God, of mourning over the dying embers of what we have lost. 
national holiness. God, God wants us to turn from our, our evil past and go to him, return. That's what this is all about, returning to him. And it's not just about a national day of prayer and return, but rather a national week, a national month, a national year for the rest of our lives. It's not just a one-day event. This is the starting point. We are starting here today. And for the rest of our lives, we need to go and return to God's favor. We need to seek the favor of God and reprieve from the imminent judgment. You know, Joel was, was uh, pleading for Judah. And at that time, they had locusts that were going around. And, you know, the thing about with locusts, there was, you know, there was concern throughout the scriptures. You know, when locusts, you know, if a farmer got sick and needed help, you know, the farmers were gathered around and helped them out. But when the locusts came, and there's locusts right now over, I believe, in, in South Africa and some parts of the world, there are tremendous, huge swarms of locusts right now as we speak. When they came, it was impossible for human standards to control, and they cannot do anything about it. And it's no different than this coronavirus that's going on. It is something that we cannot control, and we have to deal with it, what we have at hand, listen to the scientists, and do what we can. But we can't run away from God. We can't run away from the troubles, because He's there to help us. This is a time to remind ourselves, you know, why are these things going on? They're going on because we have fallen away from God. You know, God's up in heaven, and he's listening. He says, hey, if you will do this thing and get my attention up here, I will come down and forgive you, and I will replenish your land. This is the time to remind ourselves that although our sin deserves God's judgment, if we pour ourselves out before him as a drink offering is poured out, then he will hear us. If we redirect our energies to the sacred offering to God, our whole being and talents, He will show us His tender and compassionate nature. He will turn His intended judgment from us, leaving us in a place of blessing. Again, as we read there in Second and Second um, Chronicles, if my people who are called who who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. This is a serious time, folks. This is a serious time when we really need to turn our focus to God. And it's not a time to... I really don't like kind of talking about this, but I, I'm going to, to talk about the churches as a whole across the world. We've become churches who have become um, repetitive. I remember when I went to church, when I was as a kid, we had this order, this service, the order of service that we had. And it's the same week after week. It's the same order of service. And it was to the point, and I hate to it, admit this, but it was to the point where I'm mouthing the words and I'm thinking about what I'm going to do the, in the afternoon. 
That's not what it's meant to be. And I can imagine, for a lot of people, it was the same thing. Because you knew it by heart. There's no change. It's the same stuff over and over and over. And we're missing the message. And so we catch our mind drifting into another avenue where we shouldn't be. Instead of concentrating on church, we're thinking about what we're going to do this afternoon. If we're going to go fishing or if we're going to play with our neighbors or whatever the case might be. Our minds are drifting. And that's why I don't like to have much order of service because... I don't want us getting into that routine. And sometimes that's why it's really short, and sometimes we don't have any at all. Because the order of service is to prepare us for the worship. When we come to church, we should already be prepared for worship. We should have maybe read a psalm before we came here. We should have prayed before we got here. You know, church is outside the building. It doesn't have to be just in here or out in your vehicles in the church parking lot. It can start at home. The movement that we have has to start from somewhere. And it has to start with you. It has to start from your heart. And you have to believe in the strength and in the confidence of God and believe in Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. See, that's what it says in the scripture. With all your strength, everything you have, you give him honor, glory, and praise. And we've become a nation that just, we want to do riots. We want to kill because so-and-so isn't right. We want to do all these evil things out there. We burn things down. It's about me. No. It's not about me, myself, and I. Because you see, eventually, we will all have to stand up. And I want you to really think about this for a moment. If this doesn't send terror into your heart, it really should. There's going to come a day when we are going to be face-to-face with God Almighty. In a way, it kind of, we shouldn't be afraid of it. But think of the awesomeness that's there. Think of the glory that's there. One day, our feeble little mind that we have will be face to face with God who will be the judge. And the other thing that should make people nervous is that there will be people where Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. And they'll say, but we did all these things in your name. And Jesus will deny them. Because you see, what people do, again, it comes back to me, myself, and I. What's, what's, what's in it for me? What's doing to, to advance my likelihood here on this planet? And the thing is, it's not going to matter because Jesus, he, he can look into your heart. He can look into your mind. He knows your thoughts. He knows your mind. And he will judge us accordingly when that day comes. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Send forth the sound of the Spirit and sound the alarm to my people. Proclaim a national day of repentance. Doesn't that sound pretty exciting? 
Sheila, did they actually sound a trumpet at the beginning of the oh, deal? Many, many had. Um, yep, go ahead. There were many uh, ram's horn trumpets and that they were blowing from the stage, but all throughout the congregation, I mean, there's many churches that have the ram's horn trumpet and that they blow during their praise and worship time. So, yes, and there, you know, a ram's horn trumpet sounds totally different than, you know, a musical trumpet, but yeah. Yeah, it was pretty powerful. Oh, that would be awesome. You know, and this is the problem I think that we face, that we're challenged with all the time. You've been to conventions, and I've been to conventions. You know, when we get back, aren't we fired up? Mm. We're, for day one, we come back, we are fired up, we want to just change everything. Mm. A week later, are we as fired up? Mm. Two weeks later, are we a little bit fired up yet? Mm. Week three? You know, what, what happens is that we, we come back and we're all fired up about this, what we have been involved with, and we lose that fire. And you know, this is what we do not want to happen. We want to continue to be fired up each and every day, you know, and I, I try to get excited about, about the service, you know, I'm making a fist here that you can't see outside, but I'm inside, you know, you know the power of God is at hand, you know, we've got to give him all the glory and honor and praise, blow the trumpets and receive him into your hearts and honor and give him glory and praise and, and just be intense about it. Return to God. Return to Him. We have to do it now. We're not given the next moment of breath. We're not guaranteed that. I know people will say, "Well, I'll start coming. I'll start coming to church when I, you know, when I retire, when I get in my sixties or seventies or later on." Meantime, they just drop the kids off for Sunday school and off they go. Then they come back and pick up their kids from Sunday school and off they go. You might get lucky and be able to get that accomplished. But you're taking a huge risk. Because if you decide you're going to go to Christ, and He will forgive you because God is a loving God and He will forgive you. If you go to Him, He will forgive you at any point in your life. But you might not be given that opportunity. On your way home, you might get into a car accident and die. You were not then. What's going to happen? You didn't have, you didn't go to God. You turned your back on Him. And now you're dead. And now you're going to face Him. Oh, people, we must go to Him. Now, return to God. That's what this is all about, returning to God. And there's even a time of repentance, a time of fasting, you know. And one thing that we really don't do a lot of today is fasting. And fasting is really part of, the, of God's ritual. You see, when we fast, we sacrifice food for our bodies, and our bodies are crying out for help because it wants food. But you know, Jesus fasted for 40 days and he lived to tell about it. And so we could fast for one or two days and go without food. And I tell you what, that's going to draw attention more so to God than you will ever realize because while you're fasting and your stomach is growling and you're hungry, you're going to say, why am I doing this? I'm doing this for God. 
I'm doing it to remember what he did for me. It's a great time. Now we don't have trumpets to blow here. We don't have horns to blow. But we have, we can shout to the Lord with our hands and our hearts and our minds. And in your vehicles you can say, Amen. And I want you to raise your arms up and say, Amen. Right now, say Amen to God because He is Amen. He is Almighty. Give Him hallelujah, the praise, the glory, the honor. Yes, God. Oh, Lord, come to us now. Help us, forgive us. Give us the strength and the courage to make it through this coronavirus that is affecting us today. We can make it through it with your help, Lord. And Lord, uh, be with us each and every day in our lives. We need you in our lives. We are returning to you for all the glory and all the honor. We are blowing our own individual trumpets and we want everybody to recognize that, yes, we are the light on the hill for people to see because we believe in you. We believe in you every day of our lives. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And let your spirits Blow out there, Lord. Let it blow around. Let it uplift us each day, Lord. Oh, yes, it might be windy out there as the spirits are moving the wind around and so forth out there. It does not stop us. It does not calm us. It does not uh, give us... Um, it gives us glory and honor, actually, Lord. We realize the winds are strong, but your spiritual winds through the Holy Spirit inside each of us one of us is strong and mighty and powerful. And all we can do is say, thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. We pray this in your name. Amen. At this time, we'll go ahead and gather the offering, and then uh, we're going to have Juliana sing for us as well. So David's going to go out there and try to gather up the offering. So hang on to the money so it doesn't blow down south somewhere or east, I guess. Minnesota's where it's going to end up today.
Thank you for that inspiring song there, Juliana. Let's give her a round of honk of horns, please.